The Thing by Frank Marion Palmer From Weird Tales, April 1924 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman A Tale of Supernatural Adventure The Thing by Frank Marion Palmer it is easy to recall it bit by bit just as it occurred though it should have been forgotten long ago i can even now visualize the thing as i saw it in all its frightfulness time has accentuated the memory of that haunting half hour the immediate result of my enervating experience was a benumbing of the senses a partial paralysis of the mind the frenzied fear the gripping horror of it came to me later when miles away from the scene of its occurrence i had retired late my room number 307 was on the third floor of a downtown hotel which town and which hotel for good and sufficient reasons i shall not say several cups of strong coffee had rendered sleep out of the question the weather was warm but a damp sticky smoke-laden liaise due to the crowded shipping that lay in the harbor below penetrated everything i fancy the night was dark but the electric glare of the city turned the night into day at last lulled by the stillness within and the hum of the city which came to me through the open window i slept my sleep was dreamless leaden unconsciousness far from refreshing then came the introduction to my unusual experience i could never explain why i heard it so distinctly sound asleep my ears were painfully smitten by a dull heavy sickening smothering explosion i was awake and alert in an instant trying to account for it light of day was palling the electric glare and the objects were plainly visible within the room without my open window i could see through the dark blue murk the outlines of buildings across the street the serrated skyline far above i got up stretched and yawned took a turn around the room, lit a cigarette, and laid down again. I had not accounted for the noise, but finally concluded that it came from some natural cause, apparently out on the street. At any rate, I thought no more about it as I lay there enjoying my morning smoke. I was about to doze again when the room was suddenly filled, saturated, with the vilest smell of burned powder I have ever encountered. It was absolutely sickening, and seemed mingled with the smell of burning human flesh. The stench that hangs over a battlefield the morning after a carnage. So I said to myself, that explosion was in this building, on the third floor, and not far from my room. I was still reclining, and had taken another cigarette, 
when the thing came into my room putting an end to all thought of immediate investigation it came in through the wide open window from the fire escape its shape was that of a human body entirely nude perfectly distinct in outline and detail yet lacking in the extremities a torso only so distinct and lifelike that i could see the folds of flesh the contour of muscles the pink yellow color of skin and yet so transparent was it the window casing the figured wallpaper the outlines of the dresser and everything it passed were visible through it as plainly discernible as though it were not there it floated in slowly slowly as a mist of early morning might enter one's casement or a wisp of smoke wafted in on a stray breeze insubstantial filmy yet seeming to have the substance of flesh and blood the head of my bed was exactly opposite the window and i had splendid vantage for contemplation i was not long in discovering the incompleteness of that spectral visitor it lacked hands and forearms the lower extremities were cut off above the knees and to complete the phantasmal horror of it there was no head upon those broad powerful shoulders only the stump of a muscular neck the awfulness of this armless legless headless shape was intensified by the fact that the extremity of each truncated member seemed to drip red blood all this i saw as it floated into my room through the open window a ghastly shape that defied description while i was breathing the stench of a day-old battlefield and now the last the most weird detail of all the most inexplicable the one that indeed filled me with astonishment was yet to come between my open window and the door against the wall stood a dresser surmounted by a large plate-glass mirror as the thing advanced floated through my room to melt vanish or draw through the solid panels of my door it perforce must pass by this mirror so clear was my mind in those trying moments that i had dwelt upon this very fact as the thing advanced and had speculated as to what the reflection of the specter would be like let science explain this singular phenomenon i cannot the reflection of my specter was no specter at all it was the solid substantial flesh blood and bone of a six-foot man about thirty years of age not lacking a single member perfect in color form feature as nude as the day he was born gracefully floating by the big looking-glass his eyes closed a contented smile lighting up his handsome features much like one asleep whose face is transfigured by a pleasant dream and then just as the figure was floating free of the glass as the bevel on the edge of the plate began to distort 
the otherwise perfect lineaments. The head was turned by some odd movement of the body. The eyes opened and looked straight into mine. With a start, I half rose and called out, Arnold, oh, Arnold, is it, can it be? Even as I called, foolishly, idiotically, pleadingly, in a hollow, unnatural voice, I knew there would be, could be, no response. For an instant, fear, fear that he might heed my cry, that he might delay his noiseless flight through my room, gripped my throat and stilled my voice. But now the apparition, out of the glass, was at the door. Through it I could plainly see the outline of the door casings, and it was becoming less and less. It was gone. The phantom grew through the locked and bolted door as a vapor through the mesh of a sieve. Such was the thing that visited me in my room on the morning of September 7th. As soon as it was gone, my feet touched the floor. I unlocked the door and went into the hall. All was quiet out there. I heard no sound, smelled no burning powder. If there were guests in the other rooms, they all must have been sound asleep. One could have heard a mouse creep in the gloomy hallway. I closed the door and got into bed. When I awoke again, the clanging jar of the street traffic told me it was late. I bathed, shaved, and dressed. As I walked down the hall and took the elevator to the office, I scanned the faces of the late risers. There was no look of surprise, curiosity, consternation, on as single set of features. All was as commonplace as upon any other morning. Nothing unusual had happened. And such was the effect on those passing and repassing guests that my harrowing experience of the early morning began to seem unreal, and all but passed, for the time, out of my memory. At the office I paid my bill, listened to the commonplace talk of the garrulous clerk, and went away without having mentioned a word of my experience. On the stage, homeward bound, a chat with a seatmate, and the beauty of the autumn foliage painting the borders of the highway, red, brown, and yellow, occupied my attention. But when I arrived at Maple Shadows, I was silent no longer. I horrified my wife and daughter until they ran away from me. Then I followed them up. That Arnold Matthews was killed at Chateau Thierrier. You told me so, said my daughter. He was. I saw him killed with my own eyes. His legs, arms, and head blown into bits by an exploding bomb dropped from the air. Not a shred of his clothing remained. And this one? Ugh! Do go away. You make me shudder. Oh, Daddy, how awful! From the sheer lack of an audience, I desisted. Watch the papers tonight and tomorrow, I ventured again at the dinner table. A man committed suicide this morning at the Savoy Hotel. How he did it, 
I am not yet prepared to say. But I should think that, owing to the character of the explosion and the appearance of the thing after, my wife stopped me with a gesture. George, that is not a nice subject for the dinner table. Well, I reiterated, unwilling to be squelched so suddenly, he killed himself, just the same, in a room across the hall from mine. You'll see. Watch the papers. And this is what we read in the evening paper. Suicide at the Savoy Hotel Arnold Matthews, a guest at the Savoy Hotel, occupying room 308, committed suicide last night, or early this morning. About the middle of the afternoon, when it was found that the man would not respond to repeated knocking, and that the door was locked from the inside, the room was broken into. A gruesome sight met the eyes of the landlord, clerks, and officers of the law. On the bed, in a sitting position, braced against the footboard, and swathed in all the blankets the room contained, was found the dead body of Matthews. Thorough examination of the mutilated body, together with bits of evidence found on the bed and elsewhere in the room, led those present to believe that the deceased had attached a piece of fuse to a large dynamite cap, placed the cap in his mouth, raised his feet and legs from the floor, then, covering himself completely with blankets, sheets, pillows, and his own clothing, the man was entirely naked, lighted the fuse, and deliberately folded his arms, calmly awaiting the end. The bed, floor, walls, and ceiling were bespattered with blood. The body was a ghastly sight. Nothing but the trunk was left to indicate that the remains had once been a human being. Arnold Matthews was about twenty-eight years of age, six feet in height, light complexion, brown hair, and eyes. He was a stranger to the city, and an effort is being made to locate some friend or relative. The motive is still unknown. No one has yet been found who heard the sound of the explosion. This is not strange, as the entire third floor, with the exception of two rooms, Matthew's room and the one opposite, was unoccupied. The officers are trying to locate one G. R. Lawton, an ex-army surgeon, the man who slept in number 307, the room opposite to the one occupied by Arnold Matthews last night. The End of The Thing by Frank Marion Palmer